previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. The only way I'll watch Resident Evil 6 is if Sienna Pure Glory gets into it. Resident Evil Ghosts and Trinity. <laughs> I'm Irish. Leave me alone. I don't think Capcom's left hand knows what's right hand is doing. I mean, I've got relatives that are from Eastern Europe, so I can be rude about them. I think <laughs> Eastern Europe is one of the most dullest parts of the planet. Keep the faith, it will get better. <laughs> this, is the low, this is the low point. It's only up from here. It, it, it actually finishes the fight. Oh, at last! Was it? No. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to episode 15 of the Project Umbrella podcast, unearthing the umbrella conspiracies from within and clinging on to Ty's hopes for the future like Vader does with his commands. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, and joining me today is the Batman. Hello. You spot. Hello. Stars Tyrant. Am I Vincent? Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, George Trevor. Vincent, this is your mother! <laughs> Mr. Spencer. All right. Oh, bit of a letdown there. And our very special guest for this evening, it's Rombie! Founder of Resident Evil A New Blood, and co-founder of Resident Evil Fan. With over 1,700 posts on The Horror Is Alive, but only 10 posts on the Project Umbrella forums. Well-known and popular Biohazard fan. One of the original Resident Evil legends and icon of the community. From New Zealand, it's Rombie! Hello! So, um, as you may have guessed from our podcasters little clues there today we're going to be talking about Resident Evil Survivor that's the main discussion of this evening so very exciting but before that we'll be looking at all the latest news and in fact quite a lot of news has come out since we had our last reflection on 2012 so we're going to be delving into all the latest ongoings in the world of Biohazard a bit of site news as well I think we can have some updates from the uh, from the podcasters as well and then we can be having a good look at Survivor in detail and we're very pleased to have Rombie with us for he knows a lot about Survivor. After that, we'll be finishing off with Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. Yay. It's very good. So without further ado, let's crack on with the news. Okay, the first bit of news. I think good news for all. Resident Evil Revelations is coming to HD consoles and PC. Yay. Now, we'd heard rumours, hadn't we, gentlemen, about this? Some inside tidbits from uh, here and there. But finally, it was confirmed with a release date, more importantly, digital and physical, of 21st of May in North America, 23rd of May in Japan, and the 24th of May in Europe. 
and I said it will also be available digital only. I'm very pleased. I don't believe in digital downloading. It's one of my pet peeves. So to actually be able to get it on a physical format is superb news. In terms of additional content, we've got a terrifying new enemy. We've seen that picture of it. Um, which That's is interesting because I was wondering whether this enemy, if it's just going to be in raid mode or whether... It's, I mean, it's slightly hunter-esque, but whether it's, you know, they're going to change any of the narrative considerably in order to incorporate a new enemy. Um, I'd be a bit peeved if it's just, you know, just added to raid mode, something like that. Well, I mean, sounds like a nemesis type creature, really. Well, whatever's the easiest way to incorporate that creature into the game, that's what Capcom are going to do. Probably, but I mean, in Revelations normally, there's been quite a lot of files, isn't there, relating to different enemies. You know, there's lots of Ahmed or Yusuf, whatever his name was, killed, and, you know, there's been lots of communication. So we could get some new files, you never know, talking about this new BOW. Reminded me a bit of the Jabberwock S3. That was my first impression. Um, what else we've got? We've got extra difficulty mode being added as well, and improvements being made to the actually very well-received raid mode. I think it was one of the highlights of Revelations. We've got new weapons, skill sets, and the compulsory uh, addition of playing as Hunk, which always comes full circle, seeing as he was put as a placeholder back in the original trailers back in the day. So that's nice to have the opportunity to play as him as well. Also, rumours of other characters coming from the series too. What does everyone think of these new additions? The price is a bit terrible, though. It's full price again. After already been out a year. It does look great, though. I'm quite blown away by how well the 3DS is upscaled. It doesn't look That's like they've tweaked it. with the visuals at all, but they just look great. A bit sharper, don't they? Yeah. yeah. I think the official press release has said that the game's been retextured, new lighting effects and character models, and certainly... Oh, right. Oh, that's great, then. I think what you said earlier before we started recording, Sean, was how good Chris looked, in particular. Yeah, and... linked picture. Yeah, mm. It's really high-quality image. Yes, very exciting, very exciting news. And then I also noted in Japan there's going to be a special unveiled edition costing a mere $466. That will include the game on the console of your choice. So that could be Xbox, PS3, PC or Wii U. A BSAA watch, a BSAA card case, plus a CD arrangement mix. You can also choose to buy this watch separately if you don't want all that, and that comes in at $441, so it appears that that's taking up the majority of this cost. So if you can justify purchasing a new watch for $440, then presumably you're getting the rest of it quite cheap. (laughs) (laughs) It's only half the price of the jacket from the Biohazard (laughs) 6 (laughs) seat. You can also buy them all separately as well. It will be supported with uh, ResidentEvil.net as well. What was everyone's view then? Is everyone generally excited about this re-release? I mean, most of us... Revelations HD? Yes. I always thought, I I mean, it's incredible. It's the sort of thing that, you know, you can kind of see a thread being started. Lots of fans, you know, like myself, particularly because of bemoaning the new direction since Resident Evil 4 and and wanting the survival horror and and saying, you know, this is exactly what we need and and just never getting heard. I mean, it it kind of came out of the blue. I I just was blown away. I just think absolutely superb. And I think it's been mentioned before, you know, the sales figures for this, I think are going to obviously have an enormous effect on where Resident Evil goes because I don't think Capcom really have an idea. I think this is seriously a real, you know, marker in in the future development of Resident Evil, you know, very much depending on on whether they can make this sell. Because if they can't, then I think you could just kiss goodbye to the series, really. I think it'll find its audience, yeah. I think it will. I hope it gets the recognition it deserves, because it was sort of lost, really, wasn't it? Because no one has a 3DS, and the release of the game was overshadowed by the announcement of Resident Evil 6. Mm. 
Mm. I haven't even played it. I don't have a 3DS. I have a copy of it on my shelf, but I've never played it. Oh, that's hardcore. I reckon that Capco actually planned this in anticipation. They weren't too sure about Ori 6, you know, its success and how well it would be received. So they thought, right, well, just in case Ori 6 goes tits up, which it has done, we'll have Revelations HD on standby to sort of pick up the pieces afterwards. Well, I read somewhere that it's been in development for 12 months. Like, literally, as soon as it came out on the 3DS, they started work on it. Well, I mean, I'm going to say something quite bold. I mean, we, you always have, like, Resident Evil 2, the definitive version, you would say, is probably the, the N64 version, just because it's got everything in it. Although we're not clear if there's going to be any exclusive amendments and additions to version consoles, do you think the Wii U version is going to be the best one? Simply because of the way they could, I don't know how they're going to, but they could incorporate the gamepad in that kind of, like, searching mode thing that they have in the game potentially i thought it would be you know it seems ideal for it i've huge nintendo head and i I've kind of fell out of love with the nintendo consoles um after the gamecube you know with, with the wii so i haven't paid too much attention to the U. I i mean in terms of hardware capabilities is is it as sharp or sharper than the current sort of generation xbox 360 and ps3 or it's very mixed some games have an edge don't they and sort of several don't yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at New Super Mario Brothers. U, it looks identical in my eyes. But then I think the Batman game looks a bit better, doesn't it? But the whole point of the Wii U is you've got this gamepad thing that can be used as a kind of Wii controller, but you can put it up and then presumably you'll be able to scan with it in that kind of scan mode that you've got mm. in Revelations. It would be ideal for that one gimmick, if you like. But we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. What do people think about the fact that it's now coming out on all platforms except for the one that was rumoured right from the start? which was the Vita. (laughs) (laughs) I think that shows Capcom's... Well, I don't know, because they're doing a Monster Hunter game for it, aren't they? So I don't really know. There was a comment online, I I don't have in front of me, but someone asked about why it wasn't put on the Vita, and it was something to do with with the development requirement for it, which just seems kind of weird when it obviously has a lot of development requirement needed for PC and consoles. (laughs) (laughs) So it's obviously just like a big lot of crap, basically, but yeah. It's a shame, the, the Vita's got some good games with them. I think the launch games of them are pretty good, and it's just kind of died. It's a great machine, it's just... Um, it's saddening how unsupported it is. Is that the one you can, can you download Resident Evil 2 and 3 for it? Mm, yeah. And they must look pretty good on it. It's not bad, and, and the great thing is it's the uh, American versions, even on the EU PSN, so you get the full speed. Moving on, other news. The second update for Resident Evil 6 is now available for free for both PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 owners. Um, if you'd have seen the news recently, this now includes access to play uh, uh, the Agent Hunt mode without having to beat the campaign first, although only areas you've cleared in the game will be accessible. Uh, as well as stage selection and various options are available when searching for matches. And I think we touched upon this actually previously, um, a, a chapter select options being inserted as well. And I think we've had some other news about new modes have been out. Siege mode. Oh, Siege and, um, oh, what's the other one? No Mercy? No mercy, yeah. They're all starting to sound like WWF pay-per-views, aren't they? <laughs> but yeah, so we've got them coming out, and I think, yeah, in uh, you get to play as a lone AI-controlled rookie BSA agent, and then the rest of you play as BOWs, and they're trying to hunt the poor bastard down. Yeah, one team so defends him, one team has to Yeah. You can't help but thinking that it's slightly flogging a dead horse of Resident Evil 6. No one seems to like it. But they keep bringing up these new modes. There's a new map pack out as well for the mercenaries. Oh, is there, right? So, are we expecting any, any more DLC for Resident Evil 6? or? There's bound to be some story DLC coming soon. It's bound to be. 
I hope so, yeah. With Resident Evil 5, I mean, you know, for me, Lost in Nightmares came out of kind of left field in terms of the actual relationship to the game. You know, it was very different. And um, I mean, that would be very interesting if we got something of equivalent difference for Resident Evil 6. I, I doubt it, but... The only way I can see it coming is to do with Jake's epilogue with the Apple. Potentially. Bring back Tricell, so I ask. Because if you think about it, if you look at RE5, they're scot-free, aren't they? They got away with it. Because if someone said, oh, what's all this stuff going on here with Africa that you've been doing? You've been knocking about there doing bad stuff. If I was in charge of Tricell, I'd, I'd just blame it on Albert Wesker. He was a bioterrorist. Right, he's responsible for it. Carla even says that you know he was yeah. a guy who tried to you know destroy the world. So I assume that if she knows it's common knowledge that he was this maniac. So we'll blame it on him. And as for Excel, we'll just say she was acting alone as a rogue agent. We had no role in any of this officially whatsoever. So well, I think Newsbot will testify. It's a shame that there's so much lost in translation with Revelations. Otherwise, perhaps more people would know at the end of Revelations that Tricell is still very much active. Yeah, yeah. If let's say I run a company. And some arsehole, you know, uses some of my company resources to do bioterrorism. I'll just blame it on him and say it's his fault he was acting alone. I had no role in this, even though I authorised it. And you can't prove anything. I can't remember specifically because there's so many examples of this book. Didn't you spot reference? There was a quite a considerable translation error. Mm. In, in the PALs, was that just relating to Tricell? Was that it news what? I think it says the Global Pharmaceutical Consortium developed TFS. Yeah, I think I think it might have been that. In Japanese, it just says International Pharmaceutical Company. A reference to Tricel. Oh. Okay. It wasn't that picture of Jessica uploading something to the Tricel logo in the background. Yeah, she's uploading stuff to Excella, and Excella is the interviewer in that report. Oh wow, that's interesting. Well, there you go. But as I said, it's slightly unfortunate that Western audiences, at least, aren't going to know about all this. So that you know, from their point of view, the newest game coming out is Revelations. Uh, and there's no mention of Tricell still floating around. I mean, they wouldn't say, like, if Tricell didn't get away with it, they'd say, oh, well, Tricell was shut down and all this stuff. They didn't know, because that means, oh, they got away with it, and there's no, no, no dirt on them. Right, moving on, we have some other news. Uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment has announced the release date of Biohazard Damnation on Blu-ray and DVD in Japan. Oh, thank God for that. He's off the <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you like the Paul Anderson payroll? That's coming out on January the 30th this month, so in... Oh, tomorrow. How exciting. There are numerous versions to choose from, um, including special edition, box edition, limited to 5,000 units, featuring a lovely tyrant statuette, a 16-page art booklet, and both a 3D and 2D copies of the film. I should really actually make an apology. On the subject of Damnation, on the last podcast, I said that I criticised it for being based in Eastern Europe. I made a comment that Eastern Europe was one of the dullest places on the planet, and really, I should apologise to all our our listeners from Eastern Europe. Um, <laughs> two of them. I completely neglected to appreciate your prostitution and your gangsters, so um, it's not boring at all. I do apologise. <laughs> Moving back to Damnation, we're also getting a double pack of Degeneration and Damnation, which also features a- another art book. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, final bit of news, following up from uh, Batman's last update in regard to the live-action films, I looked into it and found an interview with Paul Anderson, who said that RE6 would in fact be the last of the films. Yeah, but he said that about Extinction as well, at one point. Oh, did he? Oh, dear. Now he says it's two trilogies, Yeah. Oh. so it will be six, but that doesn't mean they won't make another trilogy. Retribution was released in the UK yesterday, if anyone's interested. No. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> what have you meant by that, like a trilogy of trilogies? Nine, then, isn't it? 
What would that be then? That'd be what Star Wars is becoming. Can't believe you're comparing Paul Anderson's Resident Evil films to Star Wars. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on to site news. Do we have any updates from your newsbot in terms of your book? Not your autobiography, uh, The Life and Times of Newsbot. <laughs> um, no big updates, just we get new information every day. So. And anything on chronology of evil? Nearly done. Nearly done. Is that then it for our fifth anniversary celebrations? The whole year, it's a whole year of celebrating. And another quick plug, everyone go and check out Biology of Evil, part three. Yeah. Please do so. It gets the Neptune thumbs up. Anyway, that... Yeah, so, so does Pokemon and Paul Anderson, so that's hardly a seal of approval, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you uh, tell me Pokemon's a bad game. And you're wrong. I've ordered the Biohazard 6 art book, which I should get in a few days, so we can start translating that. Uh, oh, that'll be good. There's a few preview images online, and I've got to say, when Capcom were... Uh, creating ideas for the costumes that were clearly on drugs. <laughs> Have you seen some of the costumes? You've got Chris dressed as a member of the village people. <laughs> There's another one where he's dressed as Cap- Captain America in red underpants with a BSAA logo on his chest. You've got Leon dressed as a Greek god. Ada in literally a yellow pair of knickers and like a pair of butterfly wings on her back. And that's it. You don't need to be on drugs to come up with she's that. Top, what, topless? <laughs> yeah, she's, she's topless. Top, she's topless, but she's got like a frilly thing covering it. I can't really tell what it is. Bra? There is, no, it's not a bra. Uh, and, but is there is one cool is? costume. There's Leon's costume is actually Leon. I think he's in his BioFor gear, and he's actually got a merchant backpack on. Bit of a question, actually. <laughs> Do any of us here know what a bra is? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Just me, then. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we'll now move on to our main discussion of this evening of Resident Evil Survivor. In 1998, a disaster struck the quiet Midwestern residents of Raccoon City. An uncontrollable outbreak of the umbrella created T virus transformed the city into an inescapable death trap. Stop the outbreak from spreading. Umbrella Incorporated was forced to wipe out the entire city. However, this was not the only location where an outbreak occurred.
So looking at Resident Evil Survivor, the uh, much maligned entry into the series, the first spin-off of the series on main consoles anyway, not including kind of cell phone, whether there were cell phone games back then, I don't think there were. But anyways, this was the first spin-off game and it received harsh criticism at the time. But I think time's been kind towards it. So what's everyone's kind of brief impressions to get us going? Newsbot, we'll start with you. Good story, shit gameplay. That's brief. George? Hmm, Newsbot kind of stole my thunder a bit. Fantastic story, one of the best in the series shows you that you don't need these ridiculously contrived, complicated soap operas with, you know, lots of organisations with lots of initials, um, you know, acronyms that just bore you senseless. I mean, you know, you've got teenage abduction, teenage experimentation, potential story involving mass suicides, and, you know, starting off not knowing your identity, absolutely brilliant. Gameplay, I'm slightly reluctant to always criticise the gameplay and the graphics because of the date with which, you know, you know, I'm trying to review it in, in the context of which it came out. I presume the only reason the, the graphics suffered so abysmally compared to Resident Evil 2 and 3, which presumably it came out not that long after, is because you've got, you know, you don't have the pre-rendered backdrops. Sean? <laughs> I had a lot more to say. Yeah, well, we've I've got to. I've got notes. I've been playing it for two fucking months. That's fine, Sean. What's your brief impressions? I think time's been a bit of a healer with it. I mean, when it first came out, obviously, as George has just said, it came out in the midst of like two and three, the first trilogy, if you like, and uh, it was the first time we, as a fan base, had really experienced disappointment with a Resident Evil name on it. But particularly after this year, which we've had to endure, I think it stands a little bit prouder than it did because it, yeah. it knows it's not the darkest place the series has gone now. Mm. So, yeah, I think time's been a bit of a healer with it for it, to be honest. I think it it's still a, a pretty bad game, but you can look on it better eyes, I think, now. I think it was released the day before Code Veronica in Japan. Oh. Mr. Spencer, what did you think? I thought it was, uh, well, production values were pretty low, but the st- which is a shame because the story was one of the best in the series, I would say. For example, one of my favourite... Um, Things I read about was the uh, where like the group of teenagers make their escape, make a, an escape attempt, and then Vincent finds was like, oh no, you don't. Guns them all down in cold blood, and then has his security chief cover it up as a suicide attempt. It's like, oh, it's alright. They're all self harmers anyway, and emo kids. We'll say they all killed themselves. That that's passable. They'll, that's feasible. People believe that, and he's right. They would. Great guy, Vincent. Genius. <laughs> one of the best villains in the series. <laughs> Batman, what did you think? Uh, I didn't mind it really. As a first-person, you know, late-generation PS1 game, I thought it was all right. Really good atmosphere. I think it creates a very, like, unique atmosphere. Uh, obviously, the story's really good. I thought the music was some of the best in the series as yeah, well. Totally yeah. agree. I like the idea of it being set literally a few days after Raccoon City as well, and there's, like, this whole paranoia around Umbrella about, you know, what exactly happened. Uh, it's one of the darkest entries in the series. You know, the idea of children being experimented on to help create tyrants is quite horrific, really, when you think well, about it. Wow, there's plenty of them out there, so... Yeah. How many did he kill? How many did he kill? Is it like 12 or something he gunned down? Was it like Tw- that 20, I think it was. Ah, that's all right. But I love it, like, when you walk around environments like the church and you've got that organ music playing and, like, an umbrella logo on the wall and Ark wondering why there's, like, loads of children's books and toys and games hanging around, you know. But I think it's a good game overall. I just think because it's got such shit production values, mm. people have let this overshadow how important it is to the series in terms of story. In terms of the story, it's um, it's strong enough to be a, ma- a main title, isn't it? Yeah. Not... I wish they'd included it as a bonus scenario in one of the Chronicles games. Yeah, it would have been really mm. good. Yeah. Dark yeah. side. Romby, what did you think? Um, 
I'm trying to be subjective here because I'm trying to remember how it was at the time it came out. I think it was overshadowed by Code Veronica, um, just like Paul said. I think it, originally it was supposed to be a week's difference in Japan when it got released, but because Code Veronica ended up coming out earlier there than they expected, like it was on store shelves about three or four days earlier, it ended up being only a day or two difference. And so personally, I was looking forward to Code Veronica. I think I played Gun Survivor first in the end still, but yeah, I um I found it a disappointing experience compared to what I expected. Oh, okay. I'll say briefly that um it was only my second Resident Evil game. No, third, third, third Resident Evil game I got, but I was only just into it because of Resident Evil 3. And I said, my mum bought me it for Christmas, along with the gun, you know, the, the gun com 45. It's awful with the gun. I mean, I, I don't know how you truly, can play it. It truly is. Abysmal, abysmal, but... The interesting thing is that it delayed, the game didn't come out in the States until, I think it was August of 2000, and when it came out there, it didn't have gun support. Yes, that was it. Yeah, well, Survivor 2 never got released full stop, did it? No, and, well, not that either of them was a huge loss. I keep telling Americans when they, when I was running the site at the time, and, and they'd always email, and, oh, we don't have gun support. I was like, you're not missing out on much. We don't have gun Survivor 2, you're not missing out on much. It has a special place in my heart, Survivor 2. It was something that, because I was only really just getting into the series with 3 and, and Survivor, there's something about what, what everyone's mentioned already, the kind of weird atmosphere, that the crap graphics, to be brutally honest, but... The atmosphere was there, and I, I liked so much of it, and the music especially, I, they were exceptional. I was just going to say, I'm very surprised that um, no one within the community has ever tried to do a, a remake or something. Mm. It's been very, fairly untouched. Because there's a, a PC version out there as well. Mm, exactly. Yes, there is, isn't there? Quite it was a released in Korea or China, was it? I need to look that up, actually. I've got it on a disc somewhere. Presumably that's a lot sharper then. No. <laughs> it, it, it's glitchy and bugged. The game doesn't even function properly. Zombies no. just sort of glitch and don't really move it was, sometimes. Uh, it was produced in Taiwan. Oh, oh dear. It was officially licensed, apparently. I'll very quickly say, although Resident Evil 3 is an absolute classic, even 3 was lacking a bit of the kind of B-movie style of 1, because 1 was so, you know, Chris Redford, very brutal. I thought Survivor kind of went back to it because the production values were so shite. It, it had far more of, of the feeling and atmosphere of, of the original Resident Evil just because of the, the awfulness of the production values. The voice acting is something to behold <laughs> in this game. They couldn't get it worse <laughs> if they it's tried. Mother. <laughs> well, you are a murderer, Vincent. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's quite a sinister moment. <laughs> well, we can get into all them in more detail. What I think we'll move on quickly now is the development history, and this is where... Uh, I hand over to our friend and yours, Rombie, because I'm told in good faith that you know a lot about this. I know some, but probably have got a few gaps. As far as the public vision of the game went, it was really, really short notice announcement. It turned up, I think, in a, a couple of discussions and rumours before the Tokyo Game Show at the end of 1999. So we we're literally talking only a few months before it actually came out. And so it was playable on the show floor. The reaction to it then was mixed. It's my understanding, but I don't know the full details, that it was an outsourced development. So that's why the production values, it was just rushed through. It wasn't, it was overseen by Capcom, but not actually done by them. And I think there was a playable demo out in Japan at some point, because I know I've got a copy of it somewhere. It came on a disc with a few other gun games. And then, yeah, as Paul mentioned, it came out just before Code Veronica in Japan on the 27th of January 2000, I think it was. Probably not a lot more I can tell you. It's it's all very... uh, The amount of information out there was pretty pretty basic. It reuses elements from Resident Evil 2, which is pretty obvious to anyone who plays it, because you see the same zombies, animations, sound effects, 
and the story was actually i think it was written through flagship but paul might know more about that than i do i know it was written by flagship and it was overseen by capcom it was our all development was actually done by tos t-o-s-e it's a a japanese ghost developer they don't attach their name to anything they make really like a ghostwriter, you're saying, for a autobiography. Somebody, they don't get any credit at all for it. And... Sort of like that. I know they're pretty infamous, but I'm pretty sure Capcom just give them the uh, the overall idea and then said, go make this for us. Interestingly, the version that was on the Tokyo Game Show floor is actually different than the final version because the video, there's video out there and there's images. I show you different areas that are in the game, but the enemy placement is different and some of the item pickups are different. So there is an early version of the game that was on show, so there was obviously a huge, well, not huge, but minor tweaks and changes done to the whole game shortly afterwards, or at that time, that became the final end product. Um, oh, and the other thing, is uh, I've already mentioned as well, is obviously in the United States, because of um, the Columbine shootings in 1999, it's usually that that's considered the reason why Capcom, and probably Sony as well, because I believe Sony has a bit of veto rights on the gun control stuff in the states but both of them decided to drop the gun support and that's also what delayed the game until i think as i said august 2000 well there we go very interesting i had a look at this i did some research into this tours air company deliberately want to keep themselves secret and all they want is like a good reputation within you know the publishing realm so they'll get to work on lots of games but they've got no desire to make the name known to anyone publicly all they want to do their company motto is just to make other companies lots of money and <laughs> it's really weird because they won't put any of their uh, names in the credits. They're occasionally, Torso might be mentioned in the special thanks section, but any actual staff members who worked on it, they always use pseudonyms on the credits, so you never actually know who's worked on it. I know they did a bit of work on Revelations as well, but they actually put their name on that one. I think that was just, they outsourced a little bit of the development rather than the whole game. Yeah, and they worked on Resident Evil Zero as well. Code Veronica was outsourced eventually to Tos and... Next Tech, I think. Yeah, Sega had a lot of yeah Next Tech's group as well. Yeah, I think they'd been providing development support from the start, so they could get a lot done. Because I'm not sure if it was supposed to be a launch title. It was supposed to be very close to launch, and it kind of got further back than they thought. Yeah. Fascinating. I've got this magazine, a PlayStation magazine, PlayStation Plus or something like that, and it had the whole section featured before Survivor came out. And, it, and, and you're right, it came out very quickly, and Code Veronica was coming about because they gave it in the PlayStation magazine saying how, how awful Code Veronica is going to be, but how great Survivor is going to be. <laughs> a totally pro Sony magazine, and you're like, really? But yeah, I, I, you remember seeing it, and you could see all, all the textures being ripped from Resident Evil 2 and that's quite evident with the with the BOWs isn't it I mean they just basically use everything from Resident Evil 2 I think every BOW from Resident Evil 2 is in it isn't it except Birkin I think it's off my head and then they yeah and then they just dump in a hunter for shits and giggles yeah it was the first time we had hunters and liquors in the same game wasn't it it was yeah and you had the evolved liquor as well didn't you towards the end with the mutant claw yeah and you had the ivy as well yeah Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I generally liked it all, and I thought... Even, even the cleaners. Oh, no. Apart from the noise they make... Remember your mission! <laughs> <laughs> I thought the cleaners were really good. Not, yeah, not sure. in game, but the concept of them was pretty I was going to say, what, what exactly was their physiology? Because I wasn't sure if I lost something in translation, but they were kind um, of like drones, weren't they? They're genetically engineered humans who have been cloned, basically. Yeah. 
designed to disintegrate to leave no trace of their involvement, which is fine, but you would have thought that they would have been used at Raccoon City. You'd think they'd be a bit more uh, effective than the BOWs in the series, though? Like a limitless supply of soldiers who follow orders completely? And can use guns readily available. Yep. Yeah, that was one of my my issues with it as well when that came out. I was like, okay, so you've got these soldiers and they do what you want and they disintegrate if they get killed. This seems pretty awesome. Why not using these? Mm. You know when you sometimes hear at the Olympics, you get like a whole team of like Koreans that just suddenly decide not to go back and, you know, and seek asylum. I just, I just wondered, it kind of reminded me of, a, you know, around that time, if sort of any Eastern European gymnasts kind of went missing because they, they do kind of twirl around and back somersault and did you not know, notice that the way those all jump around and flip back flip backwards they don't really even shoot at you they just sort of roll towards you and try and smack you with the gun they do that they more do, than yeah, they shoot yeah. at you and if you look well, away from don't. them they can't hit you can they yeah, they're Japanese gymnasts they didn't want to go back to the regime <laughs> I do like the fact that the, the cleaners, whilst we're on the topic of them, did contribute to one of the greatest stages, I thought, in the game. was Either the forest stage or the coast was brilliant. And there should be more of it. And I've been advocating this for years with Resident Evil. There should be an outdoor in the forest scene. And it was pitch black and you couldn't see anything. And at that yeah. point, although the action of Survivor is quite intense at times, it was the point where you stopped kind of running and kind of slowly walked yeah. forward. And you just couldn't see anything. It was great. Isn't there a section where you can see laser sights? Yes. You? Yeah. Yeah. That was that, and then at, right at the end as well, before you get onto the train, they're, they're shooting at you with the lasers as well. But yeah, that, that whole forest scene, and then I think there's that one, and then the coast scene, I can't remember what it's called, but you have all the cleaners, and then as you're going the cliff, you can see the tyrant walking towards you. Yeah. Which was cool. excellent. Uh, yeah, you know, and it was obviously due to significant graphical limitation by having it just pitch black. But it's really effective, and I've always said Resident Evil Zero should have had that at the beginning in the forest, which would have made it a bit more scary. But anyway, so we've digressed a bit and talked about the cleaners, but then they are a unique enemy, and they've not showed up again in the series. So we've touched on it as well, talking about the, the storyline. I think we've all agreed it is one of the better storylines, and George has even gone so far as saying it—you know it's main story worthy. So let's have a quick discussion on that and the, the implications and how important it is to the overall storyline. I think it's quite bold. I like the fact that it takes up on the kind of real sinister horror that you had in Resident Evil 1. The experimentation on a, you know, on, on a 14-year-old girl and, you know, incarceration of her and her mother. Obviously, you didn't get that in Resident Evil 1, but it was, you know, the story was there with True Story Behind Biohazard. So I, I thought it was, you know, good, adult, nasty, sinister, bold uh, story. Yeah, and, and I did, didn't shirk away from that, you know, continued throughout. I thought it was very, you know, very clever, nice little twist at the beginning and, in, in you know, the lost identity. Um, I mean, the whole way the game starts, when you first play it and you have an immediate choice, don't you? An exploration that's not rivaled in Resident Evil 6, for sure. The first time I played it, I chose to go. I went straight into the cinema area. And the first room you come to, the um, foyer, um, and it's just it's pure Resident Evil. Again, that's why this game does look a lot better, considering you know re- recent instalments in the series, because you've got the melancholy, you know, melancholy back music, which is brilliant. You know, I think only better than Resident Evil Two. In fact, um, obviously you've got the obligatory helicopter, the sound of the of the eerie wind and, and the howling wolves in the distance that you can hear. And you know, you don't need a lot of frills. You, you know, it's quite a basic room, but immediately that just 
sort of impinges on the context and it's not just you know a basic room uh, with limited graphics in a movie theater it's suddenly you know i feel like i'm in you know a, a romero zombie flick you know that's the thing about you know a lot of these iconic zombie films and situations that you know they do take place in quite otherwise mundane normal one of the mill areas uh, that suddenly you kind of see the horror in the expanse of say a large cinema complex because of you know the situation that you're now thrown into so, you know, those aspects of the game, it had the potential of being one of the series classics. Rob, what were you, what were you going to say? Um, I totally agree with that. I, I, as much as there might be mistranslations in the text at the time, the idea that the game started to grow a universe was quite different like you have to think if you played that before code veronica especially it was the first game that expanded outside of raccoon city because there was quite a while there after the game was first announced that people were like is it in raccoon city and the information that was coming through from japanese coverage was really vague because i think we've talked about this on a previous podcast with the mistranslations into english with the character names and so the same thing applied to the to the island it wasn't an island for a while it was so people didn't know where it was located. And so to go through the game and have this quite involved story, but also one that kind of started to link to other things that had already taken place, you know, stuff to do with Raccoon City, stuff to do with other characters. Um, even if it was an era, as far as the Western release goes at that point, everyone was like, wow, this is quite cool. This is making this seem far bigger than it already was. And then it does it at the same time as well as involving a very simple and straightforward story, but it's quite chilling and, and so forth. I remember at the time, I didn't really like the story. It's quite weird to say this now because I've gone back to it and I think it's brilliant. But at the time, I was like, oh, I kind of expected more of what we'd had, you know? So I was like, it's going to be more of that main story, not a new character, not a new environment. But it was a stupid complaint to make at the time. It was far better than I gave it credit for. I like the, the setting of it, me. The fact that this island was exclusively owned by Umbrella. Everyone worked for Umbrella. They all lived there. And yeah. The fact that it was set just after Raccoon City and there's files mentioning, you know, about how paranoid they are after what happened in Raccoon City, you know, what does this mean for the company? Blaming Birkin, yeah. I it was quite good. Yeah. It's a kind, of a, a kind of a progression of what we got in Resident Evil 3, because I think, is it at the beginning, Jill's sort of opening speech, she mentions about Raccoon City kind of being in the pocket of Umbrella or, you know, kind of, you know, it was almost effectively, exclusively an Umbrella run, uh, becoming an Umbrella run city. So it was almost taking it one stage further, uh, more symbolic of what Raccoon City was. Yeah. Mm. And, I mean, like you said, George, the cinema, when it's playing that, oh, uh, like, is it, it's showing like virus particles on the screen, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think Welsh released some concept art of Goldman addressing everyone in that cinema as well. And that was another thing. Vincent Goldman was a really good villain. You know, he was he had absolute ambition. All he wanted to do was get to the head of the company. He wasn't interested in, you know, taking over the world or some bollocks like that. Yeah. And uh, he was just a strong villain. And I think that helped. And you know, as you progress through the game, you get more files saying, like, you know, oh, this tyrant factory on here is even more important than, you know, the lab in Resident Evil 2. And, you know, where you find out they're mass-producing these tyrants. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's very, very underrated, the story, I think. I would agree. <laughs> and the storylines has far more linkage, if you like, with the, with the main stories than perhaps everyone gave it credit for. I remember that magazine I was referring to earlier. I remember the line very well from it. It's just in the article, it goes... If you have asked yourself, and then in brackets, and we don't ever think for one minute that you did, where those tyrants came from in Resident Evil 2, then this game has all the answers. And it's really quite sarcastic in the way it does it. And they, and they showed a picture of like the, the whole factory with them all on there. You know, as you go over that kind of like raised area, and you can see them below you. And 
that's the way it was treated, I think. It's just not important. That's the only kind of link, really. But as you look in the files, as you look through the history of it, and, and that paranoia that you spoke about, you, you realise it, it's far more important. And especially the loss of it. The loss of the island is, is critical to Spencer. Um, I'll just continue by saying, um, similar to what I did with Dead Aim, it showed a confidence from Capcom that they were prepared to branch away from the core storyline to leave the main characters behind and have a, like a loose link, in this case being Leon and Ark's relationship, and being able to tell a, a very strong story as a, as a sort of spin-off. It's just a shame it, it's lost to the annals of history, really. And correct me if I'm wrong, but was Gun Survivor the first time we had a reference to Spencer in one of the games? I think Ooh. thought Code Veronica was. I don't um, think he's mentioned in a file. But this came out he is, just, yeah. just he's, Code he's, he's mentioned in Nikolai's file. Yeah, so. he talks about the biohazard at Lord Spencer's mansion, doesn't he? Yep. I don't think there's a reference to Spencer actually in the original biohazard game, is there? No, nor two or no. three. Yeah. No, there's no reference to him in the games. There's reference to him in guidebooks. Yeah. The key you get with the Spencer family crest, that's in remake, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no counterpart, is there, in the original? I don't want to dwell <laughs> on this point particularly long because, you know, as us PU members and guests, and not, like, it's not even in question, but the canonicity of this game was very much in doubt for, what, a good four years? And people just didn't like it and go, no, not canon. On, on the basis that just it's shit or it's just an expanded well, universe. Well, George, that was the rationale. I mean, I remember at the time, it was shit, therefore it's not canon. It's clearly a spin-off. It's not supposed to be. It's not numbered, I think was another argument that went around. And those arguments were only put to bed until you had Resident Evil Zero. I, I love that moment. Yeah, the, the little bit at the beginning. of The second um, Raccoon City, Sheena uh, Island. Uh, yeah, that was it. That finally, I mean, that was ages ago. What was that, 2003? Three. Yeah, that was only when the people who slated uh, Survivor finally had to shut up. You know, it clearly was canon. It was never in doubt in my mind that it was canon. I mean, back in 2000, I don't think there was really... I mean, there wasn't at first. Maybe it was after the, the US version came out. But there didn't seem to be such a huge backlash about the idea at first because it's not that nobody cared, but it was just that even if it was or it wasn't, it didn't seem to impact heavily on the main storyline. So nobody were that phased about it. I'm just trying to remember there was something I... There was something about it that back in 1999, I did a timeline. It was pretty basic back in the day because we only had three or four games. And I remember putting that into the timeline, like the bits from Survivor as I got them. Because the, at first we had the Japanese version, obviously came out in January, and I don't think the European version came out till March or something like that. So I had to wait for a couple of days. There was people who translated the Japanese files into English pretty pretty roughly, but it did the job. And so we had dates and we had some general gist of what was going on. And so I put this information in and I think I got only a few emails, people going, oh, you shouldn't count this. This looks, sounds stupid or, you know, whatever, because people didn't know. And I didn't get any more either after the game came out in Europe. It, it wasn't until after the US release at, at the end of August. I'm not trying to blame Americans specifically, but I think it was once <laughs> once the backlash, once it had released everywhere, that's when everyone could be kind of critical of what the content of the files were or what the story was a lot more because there was more discussion. Because all the you know people in America, people in England and so forth playing the game, they're like, oh, we have to wait for it to come out. And you, you know how it is. Like I, I'm, I don't know how you guys were in the previous 
most of the time these days games come out at the same time but before this whole uh, mm. staggered release thing like resident evil 3 didn't come out in england and pal areas until into 2000 because idos interactive delayed the release they were the publisher of it they took over yeah. from virgin for a year and they delayed it for a few months because they didn't want it to clash with tomb raider and so it didn't come out until around the same time as survivor and so people in england have been waiting several months since it had already been out in the states for information that people in america already knew and so again those sorts of discussions just don't happen until it's kind of out everywhere so i was gonna say was Sorry. it survivor idos as well no, I believe I so. Yeah, they they had oh, they had the license. Yeah, they had, they had the license. They did Code Veronica, Survivor, yeah, and yeah. I think a couple of the ports for Dreamcast as well of Resident Evil Two. And then eventually Capcom realised that they weren't doing a good job. Went back to Virgin Interactive for about another year, and then eventually opened their own office. Mm, that's interesting. So it's obviously a US backlash against Survivor there for some reason. <laughs> You take away the gun support, as I said, like it was a big, it was a big deal. Like America is a gun-loving nation in a sense as well, but that applies to video games. And if someone, but it's not even just about the idea of having a gun; it's releasing something and then saying, "Hey, we've taken this away." People get upset about that. They're like, "Why can't I just have light gun support? It's nothing amazing, you know." And it, as you said earlier on, it's, the light gun support's nothing amazing, but to take it away seemed more controversial. And then when they actually played the game and it was a lot, pretty low quality production value as well, people immediately just wanted to write it off. And then when you see really bad reviews and you hear other people's comments, they gave more power to the idea that this game is rubbish, there's mm. no reason to be canon. <sighs> it's a shame, really. But as I said, it was only really zero that put that to bed. What were you going to say in your sport? I know the uh, scenario was probably written based on the idea that they wanted a new tyrant. The Japanese Biohazard 2 official guidebook has, in the description of the tyrant, it says that if further miniaturization progresses, it will become possible to camouflage the tyrant as a human and send it into enemy territory, which is ah. the entire basis of the Hypnos. Yes, yes, you're right. As you said, that miniaturizing and ferociousness of it. I think that's probably what they started off with since they had the entire idea for that mm. two years earlier. I really do like that tyrant in the game, like the whole oh, yeah. human element and, and growing as it gets damaged and angry, essentially, almost. Mm. And it's one of the better tyrants in the series, I think. It's my favourite tyrant, closely followed by the Damnation tyrants, but the um, the Hypnos tyrant was immense, and, I, and the fight was quality, because it, it's quite, if you remember, you know, the first one's not particularly exciting, he's just wandering in the corridor. But then by the time you get up to the heliport, yeah, he's bouncing around like a bouncy ball, isn't he? and you're, you're bashing him with his grenade launcher. It's a really good fight. And the, although the graphics, again, were quite premature, you really got a sense, because the, the sound was so good in the game, of you know the heart ripping open, wasn't it? And all the... <laughs> like that. It's like, yeah. And it, it resembled Mr. X, but it was very, very different. And you know the way he sat perched on the, on the heliport waiting for you, that was great. And the ending, it still didn't kill him, and he had to be blown up by um, yeah. missiles. Yeah, Ark fires him with a missile and then fires another missile into him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leading up to that, though, the combat was a real letdown, particularly with, with the Tyrants. Um, I mean, that, that style of combat that Dead Aim switched to, you know, works well with the zombies, but I thought with the Tyrant, because of the restrictions on movements, you effectively had this just trade-off of continually firing weapons at it that was stood still right in front of you. you you know you couldn't really move and and it almost it became like kind of one of those um turn-based role-playing games you know um, 
that really was um, a, a design fault almost in the sense that just complete restriction of movement. Well, it's you the know, same button. You're just stood next to each other. I mean, it's literally right in front of you and it's, it's just the, exchange of firepower. The best weapon to use against him was the, I think it was Hangum B, the really fast firing one, because it used to follow, the cursor used to follow him if you kept pressing the fire button. Oh, yes, it's the first time that had more than one handgun, really. The standard handguns. You had an ABC, there's a Glock 17 and there's some good handguns there's a really, really good moment where uh, I think you're in a back alley and it's really cramped and the tyrant is directly ahead of you, like at the other end of the street. And there's nowhere for you to go because the alley's that cramped and he's just slowly walking towards mm. you. You can hear the cleaners firing in the background. you just got to hammer the fire button and hope that he drops before he gets to you. Couldn't the um, <laughs> Mr. X's in this run as well for the first time? I think they can do charges at you, can't they? Yeah. They weren't particularly fast, though. I mean, I remember their kind of double club hand attack. They sort of glide across the floor. Yeah, that's it. Like yeah, shoulder yeah. charges, yeah. don't they? That's based off the still the same animation. I think in Resident Evil 2, where he shoulder charges through the wall. Yeah, slides across the the floor through the wall at you, and I think they just recycled that. Do you think we should have had a uh, a super tyrant, or do you, are you quite satisfied just having the? I mean, the, the sheer number of tyrants, you know, is petrifying. Really, all of them could potentially become, you know, super tyrants at the end. You never really do them enough damage, do you? No, because there's lots of them, I suppose, isn't there? I mean, none of them are really boss fights, are they? You just sort of knock them down and move on. I mean, Mm. if you take certain routes, they're pretty much the basic enemy, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Vincent. Who is this? Vincent? Who's that? Wait. Am I Vincent? Vincent, you are a murderer. A murderer. A murderer? What are you talking about? Answer me. Who did I kill? Okay, well, we'll probably come back to BOWs later. What I want to talk about is Sheena Island itself. We've already touched upon the, the location. In terms of where it was, we've always had that good discussion going on on many forums, not just PU, you know, trying to find precise locations where, like, the Antarctic Terminal is, where's Rockford Island. But Sheena one's kind of sometimes gone under the radar a bit as to where it exactly is. Uh, it's, it's Atlantic Ocean, isn't it? In the game's guidebook, it says it's uh, a European island. Nothing beyond that, though. Which is Europe, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense with a tyrant plant being a European island when... The Tyrant was a, a US umbrella product, or would have been shipped out by then. I mean, there's a lot of French-style cinema posters around, aren't there? Cobble yeah. streets and everything kind of gives us European feel as well. It's not something you would see. Mm. I liked all the locations. I liked the game's arcade. And I liked the fact it did actually, in many ways, had more of a feeling that it was actually a city that was there, or you know, a town, if you like. Whereas when you're playing Resident Evil 2 and 3, you know... The shopping district of Resident Evil 3 didn't feel like a shopping district. <laughs> you know, it, if you were shopping there on a normal Saturday afternoon, oh, let's go through this random gate to get to the library, that just wouldn't happen, would it? And I think that was eventually remedied in Outbreak with kind of Main Street. The shopping centre in 3 is sort of barely big enough for Jill to fit in. Poor people could walk. Just, it's just... just <sighs> exactly. Sheena, like, Sheena Island does feel like a real place. You could, it you does. Could, you've got the big library going on. You've got the church. Restaurants. It's, it's, it's a wider. It's that simple variety that 
provides you know just the scope of an actual island you know you've got mountainside you've got city you've got sewers you've got high-rise buildings you've got cinemas and restaurants you've got low-level streets and you've got this factory and you've got the house lots house that doesn't have a bathroom (laughs) (laughs) in typical reason evil fashion at the time completely off topic but i think the game's tale was originally biohazard gun survivor behind the mask i know they actually still have the logo port on the disc they must have changed it really quickly so why was the word gun dropped from the European and uh, you know, English releases? I don't know why gun was removed. Just probably, I mean, often they change the title. To obviously change it from Biohazard to Resident Evil. Someone decided it was better just to call it Survivor and take the gun part out of it. And they kept that throughout the kind of gun Survivor series, didn't they? With Survivor 2, Code Veronica, and then Survivor 3 was just totally not even called Gun Survivor 3. It was called Dino Stalker, wasn't it? Gun. Yeah, Dino Stalker. And then Gun Survivor 4 obviously being dead aim, so obviously not liking the word gun. Um, so yeah, as you said, in terms of Sheena Island, it was, I felt in many ways, it, it felt more of a city than Raccoon City did, at least a smaller kind of town. I like the fact you had different areas that you could recognise them, like the sewers, you definitely could, you know, remember them from RE2, and you go, yeah, definitely, you've got the labs again, but then you've got a mansion, which was a bit similar to Resident Evil 1, with a secret stairs going underneath the main stairway, wasn't it, going down. And you had the trains underneath as well to escape. So there's lots of similarities, which at the time you might have felt a bit of a rip-off, but then, you know, a bit of a rehash. But then obviously with Code Veronica that came up soon afterwards, you had the whole and Spencer Mansion recreated. So it, again, it kind of felt later in the game that it was perhaps done a bit more purposeful than just going, just trying to rip it off in times, I thought. My two cents on that. Anything else about the location at all? I thought it was interesting how each like head of the city would get together with Vincent Goldman and have like a meeting, like a neighbourhood watch meeting about <laughs> what's happening in Umbrella. Because you like you had the what was it the prison chief and like the church leader and the restaurant. The greater good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. You're brilliant. And then Andy Holland, who just stuck his nose into everything. I mean, was he the janitor for the entire island or something? It never stopped working. I bet the greater good thing. Um... The game actually does have a bit of a aspect of that because it's not explained that well in the game, but in the guidebook it says that the entire island, everyone on it, has a sort of umbrella superiority thing, which is sort of like an offshoot of racial superiority only for umbrella. I thought that was interesting and it kind of puts yeah. the company's actions into perspective of it. Because they kind of use it to justify to the children, you know, why these guinea pigs, because it's, it's not even just Vincent Goldman that refers to that. You know, Lot's father, you know, I think says to him, these people are not, you know, umbrella people and are inferior to them and, you know, we're just trying to help them. Yeah. It is actually a really good analogy, the Hot Fuzz one, because it is the whole island's owned by Umbrella and you do get the impression from the files that there's this, like, group of people that are watching over them all and doing these things for the greater good. The greater good. In terms of the citizens on the island, I was interested in, in terms of how much they're aware of what's going on because their understanding is that if they bring to Umbrella's attention... Vincent Goldman's specific act in murdering the 20 escapees, then he'll sure to lose, you know, lose his job. But this is reference that it's going to be reported to the, you know, the very people that are delivering. So, you know, there's not much difference really between, you know, experimenting on teenagers and actually, you know, killing them when they escape. So there was a slight confusion I had in terms of how much they were aware of what was going on. So in, in terms of, you know, Vincent's crime in killing 20 escapees, you know, how much was that a crime in the eyes of, of his employers who were obviously providing him with them in the first place anyway? Mm. I mean, was point, it a, a pharmaceutical company for the greater good? 
Well, it says in the in the guidebook that the top secret experiments Vincent was doing was well known to Umbrella headquarters, but because they were working, they just allowed him to carry on doing it regardless. That's something that they could have put at the end of the game or something, just to show you that the entire biohazard and shenanigans was a bit of a pointless. Mm. I think that would have worked really well, narrative-wise. Mm. It was nice as well, though. The biohazard was intentional. I like the way he intentionally leaked the virus. I mean, I know it's happened many times now, but that was the first time, and it was better than just having, oh, shit, the T-virus has got out again. Mm. But how was he, uh, Vincent, what was he planning to do? Be able to show that he could clean it up? Yeah, he would have killed all the workers. I, don't... I think he was going to pass it off as accidental again. Was the Hypnos yeah. Tyrant like his own personal project? Was he trying to develop that? To... It was, yeah. Yeah, so obviously he was experimenting on the kids because he needed that beta, non-serotonin, blah, 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 whatever it is. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so what he developed the, the Hypnos Tyrant that he considered good enough, and yet the files say it still wasn't perfect. If Umbrella wanted a smaller Tyrant that was more agile, that could blend into society, I think he was trying to create that, wasn't he? To mm. present to Umbrella to you know let him go further in the company. But there's plenty of people on the island that didn't have a clue what was going on. Because I think, is it the restaurant manager mentions in a file that he overheard some people talking, saying that the T-virus is on the island, and then he just shits himself and says, right, I'm going to quit and move away. Mm. Who are you? What are you talking about, Vincent? What did you call me? Please, don't kill me. spotlight on Vincent Goldman that you don't normally get shows up um, Alfred Ashford as not necessarily you know such a unique story in the sense of you know his aspirations with an umbrella I know Alfred was more specifically in terms of his his family name but you get you know well well before the prisoner's diary uh, alludes to uh, Alfred's you know uh, psychotic use of the you know the prisoners there and uh, a lot of comparison between the two. Mm. Well Alfred's use is minor compared to Vincent, he looks you know, in that sense looks like an angel. I mean, what Vincent, what Vincent was doing was was horrific, and we can kind of like move on to that because I think there's been some developments in translation about the use of the beta hetero non serotonin. Um, I think Newsbot can fill us in about this the, the mass production. I mean, I think the old theory was that I won't dwell on it too long because I'm gonna, I will be corrected quite properly about this. But the whole point being, when teenagers or prepubescent teenagers of a certain age were put in pain, their brain would excrete this beta hetero non serotonin, which was then extracted and then put into any person uh, as a base component, and then they would be injected with the T virus and will become a tyrant. But I think that's not quite right, though, is it, Newsbot? I think everyone just reached that conclusion. Yeah. On it. But when I was looking at the files, something really, really always just got under my skin about it. It said that you could make a tyrant more ferocious by using a certain chemical. I thought it was always a reference to that beta hetero non-serotonin. And then I looked into it a bit deeper, and then it said somewhere else, I think it was in the guidebook, that Vincent was trying to get the chemical, large quantities of the chemical, to create a new type of tyrant, which was obviously a reference to fitness. Yeah, and it was to do putting the cells together, wasn't it? And letting them fight to be the strongest. Yeah, so there was like two new components to create hypnos, the hypnos gene, and then, then large quantities of the beta hetero. Yeah, so that's 
I suppose that's the new kind of position, isn't it? The other clue is when Newsbot translated all the uh, original Director's Cut guidebook stuff, we found out that Umbrella clone their BOWs. So surely they must do the same for the tyrants. Mm. And if that's true, then you wouldn't need this special chemical to mass-produce T-103s. I think Wesker's report too is what probably caused it a bit. Yeah. Because of its mention that Terrence needed to have like adaptable genes and stuff, otherwise they'd just become a zombie. Yeah. But even even that, I think there's actually a re- reference even in Wesker's report too that was overlooked even by us really. Mm. That it says that they needed to develop a new T-virus, but they needed subjects to do it, which was basically just a foreboding to them actually just finishing the T-virus and being able to create a Terran from anyone. Mm. That's actually what Sergei's clones in Umbrella Chronicles were for. They didn't actually become Terrans themselves. They were just used in order to develop the new T-virus. Yeah. Oh, I was about to ask about them. Because obviously they were developed before the T-103, kind of. Because the T-103 was certainly improved with the combat data from the T-002. We'd actually... The writer of the first game actually helped us with this. He actually said that the reason he mentioned the file that's addressed to Wesker, the X-Day file, the reason he mentioned VOW embryos and that was to show that Umbrella had the Tarrant and they just wanted to dispose of the old one now. That's actually how they managed to have a T-103 before the end of the mansion incident. They had the embryo oh. and they just, they just improved on it. They didn't need it anymore. They'd already made T-103, which was obviously their perfect model. Mm. Yeah. Ah, so they go, sod it, we don't need it. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, so this beetle, heritone, non-serotonin was just used to help create hypnos. It makes a bit more sense because, uh, I mean, not going into scientific detail, but teenagers are usually more... Wasn't it your brain only produced this chemical when you were a teenager? Yes. Yeah. But you couldn't use anaesthetic because that neutralised it or something. The yeah, fact that it's used specifically to make something more ferocious seems to just say that it's probably what makes teenagers a bit more feisty. Unfortunately, it blows my theory out of the water. People like Morpheus were just adults that had an unusual amount of beta hetero non-serotonin still in their brains, which would also explain his femininity. That was my theory. That's why when he, he became a tyrant when he injected himself with a T and G, but obviously that's that's my little theory. To be honest, I, mean, I, just, I just didn't see how... Uh neurotransmitter could affect genes. Mm. Have the doctor and Heronius looked at this? I think they have in... I think they offered up a few explanations, but... Because it is based on a... It sounds like a different chemical, isn't it, that the brain does produce. Serotonin. Serotonin is a real chemical. But the beta-hetero non is just jargon, really. Just to make it sound (laughs) poor. Oh, serotonin's thought to be a contributor to, like, the feeling of happiness, really. It's what you excreted during exercise and stuff. Uh, Mr. Spencer, you've been awfully quiet. Listening and taking things in. Okay, <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> Do you have any views on the Tyrant cloning program? Well, I thought the reason they didn't use anaesthetic was because the brain produces more of this chemical the more scared the subject is. In, in pain, and, yes. And in pain, so they thought, right, well, if we you know, give them an anaesthetic, then they're not going to be in pain, therefore it's not going to produce as much, so we'll just do it when, you know, give them as much pain as possible and panic, and then there you go, there's plenty of it there for you. Okay, we'll shift on then to the characters, so we've touched on them already. We'll start with the main character, Ark Thompson. A picture? No, this is me. I am Vincent. It was all my fault! Yay. 
Hey. As we said last time, we should have been in Damnation, but we'll, we'll leave that to the side. Ark's a funny character, possibly the worst voice actor ever. And when, <laughs> when he starts remembering who he is... Oh, yes! Know, I'm Ark Thompson! Why we, uh, <laughs> My good friend, that. Leon S. Leon Kennedy! S. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he knows there's a camera on him and he goes, ah! Uh. <laughs> Interesting character. Obviously, it's, he, it's the first time in the series where we kind of dealt with amnesia from the helicopter fall. What did everyone think of him? It's great. I'm struggling for things to say about him because it's interesting, isn't it, for what we've said is a, an extremely strong, bold story. And I, I just almost found him... I mean, what can you say? Um, well, you don't know a lot his, about him, do you? His haircut's got a lot trendier with age, that kind of brushed forward. <laughs> 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 He's a private yeah. detective, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. That's another thing I like. But That's one of the things that make me appreciate the story more. It's that the protagonist isn't a secret agent or whatever. He's just comparably yeah. just normal. Yeah. And it makes you feel a bit more for him, sort of. Because he's, he's like Leon in 2. He's relatively normal and just thrown into a really impossible situation. Yeah, I mean, potentially a lot more identifiable if it portrayed as a deeper character, certainly from that starting point, yeah. I mean, it's hard to judge him, isn't it? Because we don't know anything about him. But it's really clever how he goes through a majority of the game thinking he's Vincent. You know, you've got the clues with Andy phoning him up all the time and obviously the picture he sees. Remind me, why, why do they do that? Why do they call him Vincent? Because I think it's just to make you think as if you're playing the bad guy, really. In the game, Ark actually infiltrates the island posing as Vincent for some reason, poses the island's commander. Yes, they evidently yeah. never met Vincent before then. Andy, yeah. Andy Holland hadn't met Vincent. He's, oh, right, okay. He went down yeah. there to do an inspection, didn't he? And, and Andy took his picture. And obviously, because he knew he would blow his cover, he went, went mad. Yeah. Okay, I was trying to work out why that picture was... Yeah. Okay. I never understood how that was going to work, because, as was touched on before, like obviously Vincent meets with all the leaders of all the different areas, with the exception of Andy. It's just like, <laughs> what's he going to do? Is he going to bump into the guy that's in charge of you know, the HQ building or the, you know something this and be like... Right, you're Vincent, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll believe that. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, he's wearing, like, really plain clothes in that scene when he's talking to Andy. And you just imagine that the, you'd think the island's commander would wear something a bit more... A green parker, yeah. Well, basically what Vincent actually does wear when you meet him. He's like, uh, <laughs> I work for Umbrella, no shit. His white pyjamas. <laughs> white pyjamas. <laughs> just got out of bed. You're not going to get away. I need, I need to look it up, but I, I remember um, I'm sure Ark's voice actor was like a, a part of a Japanese-based comedy duo or something like that. I'd love to know if there was like, you know, what sort of direction they were just like, we just need you to read these lines, and he was able to give just have free reign because he was talking about his reaction, like as if there was a camera on him. It's like that's how I felt throughout the entire game, as if he's just like every scene slightly different, and he kind of hams things up, and it's, there's no consistency, there's no direction whatsoever. I mean, with Vincent's mother, you, you almost get the impression that it's, that it's someone Norman pretending, Bates. a man pretending to be. It's amazing, that scene, isn't it? <laughs> amazing. This is your mother. Stop doing all this those terrible going. tests and come yeah. home. That scene but... didn't really even serve a purpose in the story. It's never referenced again. It's just sort of, how was she able to like go on the, the intercom? It's amazing as well, because he must have confided in all the, all what he was doing, because she knew he was doing all these tests. Yeah. How did she well, get on the facilities intercom well, system? I mean, <laughs> Presumably a house phone. 
maybe it was Ark before he lost his memory trying to pose as Vincent's mother to get Vincent out of the building so that he could infiltrate the building. <laughs> I just like the fact that no matter what version of the story you played, because obviously you've always got the three roots, there's no general improvement in the voice acting and the characters. It just got shitter and shitter. It went one way through the library. You had the funny incident with Andy shooting at you in the library for some reason. and then... Shoots at you in the arcade. And the arcade. Yeah, yeah through the window. Die, Vincent. Die. <laughs> Conveniently takes out a few cleaners for you as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I like the idea of the Umbrella, this like multi-billion dollar company, stepping up security after the Raccoon City with like Nikolai saying, oh yeah, we must uh, prevent information leaks and whatever. And then Lot goes up to Vincent's office and he goes, a spy? Hmm, you are a good boy, Lot. <laughs> also, the irony of that statement in that file saying we should lock down information being just left in a piece of paper just in a random location. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's the movie theatre. <laughs> it is awful, isn't it? But it's, it's hilarious. I mean, for me, it does actually fall in, in one of the classic games in terms of, you know, because it's part oh, of that yeah, classic, classic it. era. It's so incompetent. What it is. But, I mean, it's unique, isn't it? The fact that you can't save the game. It's in you, can't you? I, can't, I thought you had to go through it in one go. You know, I don't think you can because yeah. there is no way to save. I mean, I think two of the game's big undoings that, you know, it is fair to criticise it on, would be the lack of save rooms and the, the unlimited ammo with the pistol. Oh, the handguns, yeah, you did, didn't you? <laughs> I won't allow you to escape. You're going to pay for what you've done. <laughs> so you've got Vincent. I mean, again, I know Vito's asked this question in the forums as to what is the canon path, and that kind of links in quite nicely with, with <clears throat> Vincent, because in one path... You never see him. I think if the game wasn't so rushed and poorly developed, all three would be included somehow. But I think they just split it up into segments because it was easier for them. Rather than linking it all back into it, yeah. Because there are scenes that should happen together with others, but they're just needlessly separated. So I was going to try to remember them. There's Vincent in one, Andy in the other. It's, it's the leader of the cleaners? Yeah. The yes. yeah. If you go to the arcade, it's the cleaner leader. If you go to the library, it's Andy. And if you go to the hospital, isn't it? You get... Clubhouse, was that later? No, Clubhouse was later. The hospital was Vincent watched you on the monitors. Because Vincent releases the Terrans, so he has to survive somehow to release them on you. Yeah. Mm. And Andy shoots at you one way or the other in the game, I think. And then just sort of disappears after. You, you never get any answers to... What I do remember, I remember this being a big thing at the time, is you never get any answer to the self-destruct system that gets set off. No one does it. There's no explanation as to how it I goes th- off. The, the guide explains that the cleaners always set off self-destruct systems. Ah, uh, okay. During missions. That's what I mean by scenes that should be there but don't appear depending on where you go, even though they're meant to be there. Of course, if you don't go the arcade route, you never see the cleaners arriving. You just I think, I think you... yeah, if you hear them in the background, just... You don't get that great sort of speech of motivation, just... <laughs> <laughs> the commander's orders and the Japanese one are a bit better and a bit more dark. He actually says just kill anyone, women, children, or even the elderly. <laughs> wow. Awesome. I just like the fact that as the cleaners kind of jump out, they look like they're just having spasms. They've kind of got little acrobatics in the air as they kind of go down the, uh, the zip line, and it's, awful. it's just awful animation. <laughs> None of them have got fingers. They're all kind of like clubbing and going, remember your... It does look like they're webbed. Yes. Yeah, like gimps. 
I suppose, as you said, Newsbot, you know, there's, there's lots of scenes that, you know, you could say they're all canon, as I suppose, to an extent. But the, the ending, I suppose, is the bit where you get totally different things depending on what path you've taken. Yeah, just it's really who the hypnos Tarrant and Peels, really. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think we have a definitive answer. I mean, yeah, I think you can just leave that up to whatever people want. It's the same way with one, two and three were yeah. intentionally meant to be big. Their scenarios are a bit of a combination of all, everything. Mm. And yet even then, the writers ultimately are able to just completely disregard things that happened in those three games if they decided to rewrite them, depending on what the nature of the choices were in, that, in those three games. Because in mm. the first one, you had playing as either Chris or Jill, and then depending on who you save, then no matter what, you're not going to get the canon end because everyone survives, as stated in 2. Then 2 has the four scenarios. Yep. And inevitably, it's a combination of all four, but even then, certain things... been contradictory with like, the pendant, and then... Resco's report yep. kind of yep. clarifies and stuff and says that the reason Ada doesn't have the uh, sample she took out of Sherry's pendant in Umbrella Chronicles is because, as Wesker said, she gave it to Leon took it, and he threw it away. Yep. And 3, literally... Your choices sort of dictate how the game goes, and it even affects how Carlos actually comes off as a character. Like, if you jump out of the cable car, I think he is a lot more confident, and he kind of pushes Jill on. But if, if it's the other way around, he sort of comes off as just downtrodden and wants to quit, and then Jill slaps him over the head a bit. Oh, okay. So, I hope v- Vito, that answers your question. I personally have always taken the view that it's the <clears throat> commander that dies just because I like to wrap things up, because obviously that means Andy's probably died in the self-destruct. You mean Vincent dies, or the UT? No, no, the UT commander, so yeah. I always take the view that he, he's the one that gets impaled, because then Andy and Vincent have died in the self-destruct. I never understood how Andy would have got to the laboratory anyway. It's up a hill, and then you actually take the only cable car up there, so how does he get up? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, but what's more than that, though? How does Lot, when you rescue him from the hunter in the tyrant lab, he somehow... Goes all the way back through the factory on his own, takes the cable car back, goes back to the house, gets his sister, comes back up the hill, takes the cable car back, goes back through the factory, and then still gets to the train before you do. <laughs> I get the feeling his sister didn't stay there at the house. They used events to get around. Events always <laughs> I wonder if Paul knows the answer to this, but after making my guide comment, I've started looking at my, the guide that I had several years ago, and it's up on GameFAQs. Um, and I'm looking through like the trivia and information of stuff that people sent me. Um, Vincent's last name is Goldman. Is it any relation to Goldman in House of the Dead? Was it a reference to House of the Dead from the writers? Does um, anyone know? Uh, uh, dogs. Yeah, yeah, that. It's never been stated, but it could be. I know they've gotten the names of a lot of characters in the series from other places, like Sherry's named after a song by the Four Seasons, and Joseph Frost is named after. A manga called Jojo, and then Kendo is named after a Japanese drink. Japanese martial art, actually, Kendo. With wooden I know, swords. but they, they actually have a drink of it, and one of the staff members liked the drink, so he named Kendo after the drink. Kendo gunshot. Kendo gunshot. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good advert. <laughs> oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here that I haven't even thought about in a long time. <laughs> all the Capcom tie-ins, there's posters for Dark Stalkers 3, Dino Crisis, and oh, Crisis, Ghouls yeah. and Ghosts at the arcade. Oh, yeah. Poster for Street Fighter in Lot's bedroom as well, I think. Oh, yeah, Street Fighter's that mentioned as well. Um, there was a Magnum extension intended for the game. It's still on the disc, but it's not, obviously, in the actual game. Finish. I think it just it just extends the barrel, doesn't it, from like a 3-inch to a 6-inch or something? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. You can 
you can have it via Game Shark, but I don't know if I ever tried that out. It was the easiest game to get an S ranking on, though. So, yeah, it took about an hour to run through the game when you were very fast at it. I, I think me going through it most recently was 45 minutes. Yeah, I've seen that on YouTube. Now everyone knows how shit I am at the Resident Evil games. The fact that I got an S on it tells you something. <laughs> so. I, never, I never have. I think oh. the, the quickest way to do it is to go through the restaurant branching path and then the arcade. Yeah, I tried it yesterday and got owned by two spiders. I really wish that the game had... They at least left it for a while and then just dedicated more time to it instead of just shuffling it off and then releasing it in between two of the biggest games. Because it does, still has a lot of potential, but just the production values and the actual developers just didn't give it the time and attention it really needed to be good. Mm. It's a really missed opportunity. Continue on the um the idea before about the spiders. I I had a bunch of emails and I've got it written here as well that the um the which I don't remember very well, but apparently the bit with the, there's two alligators mm. is like one of the hardest bits of the entire game mm. because they can double team you very quickly. Yeah, you got I haven't played it in a long time. Yeah, you take, it's when you get to the prison, you can go an alternate way, and you can go through like a huge underground tunnel, and they'll the come quickest way. at you. I think I'd went through. I'd went through the way that takes you to the giant moth from two. Yes, yes. The, the I think I'd went the there. I'd, beforehand, I'd never went the underground way, and then the first time I went there, and it was the first time I ever saw the two crocodiles. I was. It was. It was pretty amazing. It was probably the best experience with the game. Yeah, yeah, because you go you go through a ventilation shaft, don't you? Yeah. Something like that, yeah, after you've got the shotgun in the shower. Yeah. Of course, where they wait. Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. What are you talking about? It's not your fault. Vincent is the one who caused everything. Well, I mean, I... You? What do you mean? You're the detective. Your name is Art Thompson. What? Really? I'm not Vincent. Then why did you run away from me? Because I'm the one that told Vincent about you. Hello, I'm Vincent. I've been transferred to this facility to inspect it. Nice to meet you, sir. I know Commander Vincent. So I knew that you weren't him when I saw you. What? A spy? Hmm. Thank you. You are a good boy, Lot. Moving on to, to the kids, quite possibly the most annoying children. If you thought Sherry was annoying, and then lots of Lily climb. as he screams. English accent. He was. He is he's very English, wasn't he? He's like, you're not. You're not Vincent. He always sounded more Australian to me. Oh, maybe they were annoying though. I don't know how they survived the outbreak. Everyone else turned into zombies and because yet hiding. Because it's because Lot's got a baseball bat. <laughs> yes. H- hiding in a cupboard. I know the guide says that Lily survived just because her parents, like right before they turned into zombies, they told her to run towards the umbrella building and stay in there. Oh, okay. They, I don't know about Lot though. Lily's found in the house. Oh, that's right. Lily's I think found. it's because Ark kind of scars her off after seeing her on the video feed in the in the film. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they, they were annoying. So she runs through a, a zombie and monster infested city, manages to get to her house somehow. But their father was one of the researchers who helped develop the hypnos gene, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the head of the uh, gene application laboratory. Or something. Yeah. You fools, that's one of my questions in the quiz, so I'm going to have to come up with a new sudden question now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> 
just write that down. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) It's such a shame that you must die here, Vincent. After all, this is the type of place where a cold-blooded murderer should die. (laughs) We touched on Andy Holland, Danny DeVito making a cameo appearance in Resident Evil. <laughs> Again, a funny, a funny little creature, Andy Holland. Not a lot to say about him. You don't really know about him. He's just one of these. He's a former criminal, isn't he? Yeah, he's a former yes. American criminal because being American somehow he was something to add in. Couldn't just say that he lived in Sheen Ireland. You just had to say he was shipped from overseas. <laughs> and he likes taking pictures, doesn't he? I think his room's full of pictures on the wall or something. Yeah, it's like the only thing he can do in the service, really. It says here in the guidebook, thievery, larceny, robbery, and assault. Oh. Yeah, quite a rap sheet. For such a small man with such yeah. a short back, he somehow managed to get away with quite a lot. A short man syndrome is very well known. But he just wanted to be left alone, didn't he? Because he used to paint the walls in the sewers, like, you know, keep out and no trespassing and all that shit. Mm. Oh, uh, about that? Oh, the no. first time I ever saw that, I was like, oh, shit, what's, what's going to be behind this door? Mm. And then you find out later that it was just a small crooked man. <laughs> I would have expected some like tall psycho guy that was ready to kill you in it, but no, it's just pretty underwhelming. Especially when he keeps ringing you at the beginning of the game and hanging up, and then you <laughs> finally meet him, and he's just like short, fat, bald dwarf. Yeah, <laughs> David DeVito's been calling you. Yeah, exactly. I've already said that the the sound, the the music, is one of the best in the series. Although I can't actually recall any famous tune or any, anything that I can hum but I, I do remember playing it it was very distinctive wasn't it the sound as you go definitely went from a different area it was suddenly change it's one of the most unique soundtracks in the series and it's yet one of the most plain mm. it's I really just, good I mean I liked it frankly because it's a bit unoriginal but very similar to the sounds in Resident Evil 2 and 3 the kind of the, the more the kind of piano haunting melancholy tracks I suppose in terms of the pace change it it perhaps has to go to something different when you get the combat, but I didn't really like the way it would go from that into something quite fast-paced, you know, as soon as a, an enemy shows up on the screen. But particularly at the beginning, some of the first early tracks are um, very, yeah, very reminiscent of, uh, of some of the really famous, iconic ones from RE2 and 3. I like the organ music that plays in the church. I think that's really creepy. I think my favourite track was the one that plays towards the end when you're in near Hypnos. I think for the download of the ripped soundtrack, it's just titled Where the Terran Sleeps. It's like a slightly fast-paced track, but it just sounds really unique. I think I like the cinema bit when, because you go to pick up the reel, don't you? And then as you come back, the crows come through. I think, was that the crow through the windows as you go back down the stairs? Yeah. And then I thought that was quite a good moment, and I thought that the music there was quite good. Just very different, I thought, from most of the games, whereas most of RE1, 2, and 3, they have the music, but it's a kind of foreboding tension going out. This was quite bang in your face with the music. It was notably different from each area, and, you know, it's quite loud, and as I said, loud in your face, and it, very different, but I, I think, think it's still quite effective. I think the more fast-paced tracks were meant to just make you panic, basically. Because mm. panic really does work in the game, just because of the really unintuitive first-person style they used. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, it's amazing, actually, because at the time, it was a very unique first-person shooter, wasn't it? Because it was with a gun, kind of on-the-rails style, but then it wasn't on-the-rails, you could move where you like. So it was a bit like Doom in that sense. But it wasn't like Doom. It's a kind of unique hybrid that never caught on, really, is it? 
I was just going to say, can I just... Um, where did you get the information about Andy? Because I can't find it anywhere. It's in the guidebook. There's an article on PA about it. In the supplement I, material I, I, part. I'm trying to look for it, but I just can't find it anywhere. Is it under supplement material then? Yeah. Thank you. Sorry, Nick. No, 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 it's alright. I, I was just saying how it's never really been followed suit. And I remember when... Um, Resident Evil Fire Zone was announced, which later becomes Survivor 2. The, the arcade machine, again, is odd. I think you actually could physically move the entire controller forward to make you move for the PlayStation. It was very strange. Very Did you strange. ever play it, Nick? What, the arcades? Yeah. No, I never saw it once, and I, yeah, I was, was in a rush. Cracking, cracking experience. Was it good? Yeah, I remember it, was, it used to be at Meadowhall in Sheffield, and it was actually the Biohazard version. And it got, oh, wow. got me and my cousin got all the way to the uh, to the final boss, and um, we had like a little audience by the end of it because we were on it for ages. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good, but much better than it came across as uh, the PS2 game. It worked much better as an arcade machine. But then that kind of talks about the controls, and you know we've already said how unintuitive the controls were because they were essentially the Resident Evil controls, weren't they? Just in first person mode, you didn't have to change anything about it, mm. and it's odd holding R1 to aim and then the, the cursor was so slow you know you, you kind of got used to now obviously with this kind of over the head aiming it also to... it also tended to auto lock as well so when you try to shoot in the head thinking it would be more damage or something it would just automatically straight go for their chest oh right yes it would wouldn't it when they first see the zombies is that right down the corridor and then they, they kind of move a bit like they're dancing to a thriller as <laughs> they come and go, shaking all about like they've got some kind of vibrator yeah. attached to them or something. <laughs> and then you just kind of shoot at them from distance. It doesn't really do a lot. I don't think yes. the animations for actually shooting the zombies is really very good either because no. you basically just pump bounds in them and then they drop. There's no actual real reaction. No. Which isn't, it isn't that bad considering they're meant to be shambling, unfeeling corpses. But compared to the other ones... Two and three, just before it, you'd think there'd be a bit more. Yeah, yeah there's a movement. bit of a step down, wasn't there? Now, did anyone actually get to play it with the gun con? I said I did. I got it as a try to set it up, and I think I got to the video. You know where the zombie kind of comes up, rips behind you, mm. the first one, and double tap the trigger to walk forward, wasn't it? Well, that's why it had unlimited ammo, didn't it? That was the, <laughs> the only reason that you had unlimited ammo, so that you could move, which seemed a ridiculous reason to have gun con support. So it was hideous. And, you know, I quickly switched it and then told mum to take the uh, the gun combat because I, no, <laughs> I ain't playing with that shit. Actually, no, it wasn't the gun combat. It was some cheap knockoff. <laughs> so it wasn't even the good one. But never mind. Right. Well, what I want to move on now to is everyone's favourite moment. To see what everyone thought. Uh, Batman, did you have a favourite moment of the game? Uh, it was what Newsbot mentioned before when you fight the two crocodiles at the same time. When you see one coming towards you and you turn around to back off and there's another one there. Oh, OK. Uh, George? Um, yeah, the crocodile thing just pissed me off. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a lazy gamer. It's interesting you picked up on it, Nick. I, I did like the walking through the forest because you've mentioned mm. it before, and, and you think, my God, why? I mean, with remake particularly, why didn't they take you across, you know, the, the surrounding forest? Um, and it was, obviously, it was very basic, but just the fact that you couldn't quite see quite far ahead of you, and it, it took you into an outside area that was quite eerie. I enjoyed that. It's quite hard to say because, you know, I just sort of kind of like the sinister backstory going on and li- little things that drew on that I enjoyed. So I just like, you know, the, the first time you come across on those payphones and it just suddenly, you know, kind of rings and you're there. And, and... It had that B-movie style to it, more so mm. than perhaps three and even two to that extent. Uh, Rombie, what did you think? My favourite bit is the bit of walking into Lot's room and seeing the zombie that looks like he's touching himself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's up, it just cracks me up every time. But I'm I'm being joking, but um, okay. but yeah. It's, have you guys? You guys haven't seen that? No. It's serious. If you if you walk it creep into his room very slowly, there's a zombie in there, and he's like rocking back and forth with his back towards you, and it looks absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I don't know oh, who put that gosh. in there, but obviously somebody thought it was just a great joke. Um, but no, I like the general atmosphere. Like, I, I, as I said, the story I didn't like when I first played it. I thought it was a bad idea, and it was different, so I didn't like it. But in retrospect, it was it was far better than I expected. And, and I think altogether, even though the production values are not the greatest, it's got a great atmosphere that's a combination of the story and the music and the design of the town and everything. And I think it's, yeah, it's, in that respect, I, that's the bit I like the most. Uh, Newsbook? Gameplay-wise or story? Just favorite moment. Moment, uh, crocodiles, yeah. Although well, there's plenty of T103 encounters that were pretty memorable. Oh yeah, there's a tyrant that kind of just paralyzes right through the uh, right after the cutscene where you look at the cameras and see Lily. And, like soon after, a tyrant just utterly just destroys the wall and comes straight through the screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. I really, I really liked that. I thought that was really well done. Uh, Stars tyrant. Probably the the walk on the the bridge with dozens of tyrant capsules either side of you. It was the first time I remember the very first time I played it. It made the game feel so much bigger and the universe so much more expanded for for the first time. You know, it was the moment where the game clicked to me as a really big deal. And finally, Mr. Spencer, it's got to be the mother phone call. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so weird. Maybe to try to make. But, right, let's put that in there. Try and give a psychological spin on it that there's something really, really fucked up going on, and we didn't really expand on it. But yeah, it's quite funny though. I think what we've unearthed in this podcast is there's a hell of a lot of good moments in this game. You know, maybe just one particular moment, like the mother phone call. We've all had a good giggle about. We've all had a good laugh about the acting. But there's so many good points scattered throughout the game. It is almost criminal that it's lost on quite a few people, and and people just overlook it. I know people. Looking at in at P, you always go. Oh, we we always talk about Dead Aim and Survivor, how much we love it. But they are legitimately good games, and it's hard to pinpoint for me a favourite moment that encapsulates everything. What's good about Survivor? Because as I said, the humour is is intense, the the atmosphere is intense, and you know obviously the humour is not intentional, but you know <laughs> um, the atmosphere is intense and the story is intense. And the game design just isn't so intense. The ga- yeah, exactly. It's amazing. Uh, Exactly, we put the nail on the head. So it's quite hard just to pinpoint one moment, but I suppose... What did I like? Yeah, I'll have to side with George, I think. Just the fact that we had that glimpse of the of the kind of forest moment of what could have been and what should have been for Zero. And I think that's the best hint that we've got of some outdoor, natural biohazard away from suburbia. And uh, I'll, I'll cling on for that hope. Uh, and we'll quickly go around with marks out of ten. <laughs> Bless you. Star Tyrant, what, did you, what would you give it out of 10? I would give it a, a strong 6. Strong 6. Okay. Uh, Rob? Rombi? Uh, yeah, probably the same as 6. George? It's one of the hardest ones to mark for me. And don't worry, Nick, because I knew you were going to ask this question before. So all the waffle I've already kind of got done in my head and I'll spell you lot. And I will give it a strong 6 as well. Sit almost bordering on 6.5. Okay. Uh, Mr. Spencer? I give it a five. It's let down uh, by a lot of technical yeah. issues. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's perfect. Uh, Newsbot. I'd give it a seven because I sort of forgive the gameplay because the game does have some genuinely good moments, some good atmosphere, good music, and a really, really, really good story. Good seven. Uh, and Batman. Uh, six and a half. I enjoy this more than Code Veronica. 
What? I was, yeah, no, I was seriously Batman. You read my you mind. Really I was about, don't I was about, like Veronica, do you, Bats? <laughs> I was about to say the same. I was about to say the same. I enjoyed this as much as, if not more, than Code Veronica. I, I can't. I can't put my finger on it. I just. I enjoy replaying all the games, but Code Veronica. I just there's just something about it that just doesn't sit well with me. Backtrack. The fact that you can probably just reach a point in the game where you can't continue. Mm, I, 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 just, I don't know what it is. It's, it's never really sat well with me, Cold Veronica. I just, I just don't enjoy it. We should go over what scores we've done for all the games. That should be interesting to kind of put it in a league table. I think if Capcom weren't so keen to release so many games at the same time and have them all developed at the same time, I think <laughs> Survivor and Cold Veronica and probably Zero as well would have been a lot better off without the involvement of Toast. See, I like Zero. I think Zero's harshly treated. The problem with Zero is the shit creatures in it. Like giant centipedes and stuff. Yeah. Just, I, oh, I think in creature design, all they did was just attach giant to everything. Yeah, I've never liked giant. I'm just normal. I mean, I thought, yeah, the Neptune as well. Sorry, Nick. No, I, I don't like BOWs, yeah, when they're just effectively giant versions of, of you know, almost what they, they look like in the natural world. We can touch on them in the Zero podcast, which has been long in the way to go. That, I think, unless anyone's got any other parting comments and closing comments of Survivor, will be um, it for Biohazard Survivor. Someone um, remake it. I was about to say the same thing. Um, I'd prefer a remake of Survivor over a remake of two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's, I'd say there's a good look on the impact of the combination of Resident Evil and first person together. It was an experiment and it wasn't a bad one. And it led to stuff like the you know, the Chronicles games where you've got the on-rails aspect and it, it, it's questionable if it's better to have that freedom or to have the on-rails thing, but it's obviously an experiment that I'm glad Capcom did. That concludes, so on that note, we'll now move on to Neptune and Newsies Biohazard Quiz. Their minds will be tested. I, I have an answer, but it's based on a thread that Welsh made. Experiments will be undertaken. I've been told by the boss that you have to be deducted a point. Fuck off. Great knowledge is needed. I got massive knot out of five last time. And a new power will arise. Jesus Christ. Any question is that? You said these questions weren't hard. No, no, no. I might as well just have said, you know, what sandwich was I eating in 1984? Trevor, the Batman, and Star's Tyrant. It's time for Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz! So hello and welcome to our new season of Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. Quick recap of the scores. Batman is on four points. 
George and Mr. Spencer are on three points and Ty languishing last on two points. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A quick reminder of all the guests. Ridley 4, Wanderer 4, Welsh Smiley, Archelon 3, Syndra 2.5, Selfish Jeans, Zombie Fred 1. Romby, you scored three last time, which put you joint second. So you have a chance to improve upon that score. Now, I don't know, Romby, if you've uh, listened to the recent podcast, so you've now got a new lifeline that, as guests, you can use. Oh, I wanted to ask... Oh, sorry, on the basis that I completely forgot about this rule last week and so didn't ask Newsbar when yeah. I should have done, do I get two now? No, no, no. You only get it once during the course of this season. Oh! So well, Mr. Spencer can't show. use it again because he's used oh. his. But Romby, as a guest, if you don't know the answer to a question, once I've asked the question, if you just go, Neptune, I'm going to need to ask Newsbot for that one. Just say that and then we can go to him when we come to the answer round and then you can choose to accept Newsbot's answer. Okay. All clear? Yep. Groovy. Let's crack on. So, question number one. Name one of the patients whose medical records are found in Survivor. One of the patients that was experimented on. The medical records are are there. Oh, right. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, okay. Okay, question number two comes from Vito. Oh, well, what's this? I did take on board the criticisms of last week's quiz. Oh, no, I mean, like, it's, it's great, but I just, in terms of the difficulty, they're, they're, they're very tough Vito's questions. I, I, I had wranglings last week of the difficulty of, of last week, so I, I've toned it down a bit. So question number two was from Vito. What are the weights for either the bronze, silver or gold coins in Resident Evil Revelations? Oh. oh fucking! Oh, I never played Revelations. Oh. Can, can we can Neither. we have um, can we have what what the uh, type of weight is it? Ounce I, or I, kilo? I don't think it's ever too alluded to, but Vito told me he thinks it's grams. But um, <laughs> so, he th- so he doesn't know the answer. Well, he does. He's got... <laughs> does. I've got numbers. You've got a choice of three numbers, so you have to. Vito, you're a masochist. What's the answer we'll need to give here? Is it just a gold or silver or what? Doesn't matter. You can choose any. Just to run the question by me again, Nick. Sorry. So, so what are the weights for either the bronze, silver, or gold coins in Revelation? So I'm actually looking for three numbers, actually, I suppose, and the closest person might get it. It's so grams, you... right? Yes. Yeah, so if you get two out of three, you'll get the point. You can only ask Newsbot if you think he's going to know the answer to that. Mm. But remember, Romba, you can use it for any of the questions. You may as well use it, whereas our other participants may think, hmm. I might save that for next week's podcast or next term's podcast. Okay. Uh, question number three. What is the colloquial name for the crocodile in Outbreak 2? <laughs> That's quite a simple one, that one. Only because I'm in danger of getting zero this week. Yeah, I'm going to ask Newsbot. Ask Newsbot. Right. Excellent. I'll note that down. That no one else can do that this week now. Can no, we? correct, correct. So, uh, except Romby. Okay, moving on to question number four. So, mm. how many members of the UBCS entered Raccoon City to hunt down Dr. Cameron? And what mm. I was saying to Newsbot was that it's for the executor, Grey Cannon, Cannon, non-cannon? Oh, no, it's Cannon, isn't it? It must be. I think the only query is in terms of does it actually specifically take place in Raccoon City on what date? It's sort of grey. You can consider it canon or you can just say nah. I would say nah, given the nature of the virus and what it does. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't contradict too much. There we go. A nice 4D executor question. It was, it was produced as a fearful guidance. So uh, just one that didn't contradict anything, but didn't directly uh, relate to anything either. Romby, I've noticed you haven't asked Newsbot 
I'm presuming you might know the answers, but I think everyone will get question number five because we've had the answer earlier in the bloody thing. But <laughs> oh, well, they're not. Well, I might ask Newsbot for that one then, since he actually does know, seemingly. Ask Newsbot. Okay, cool. Finally, question number five was who led the genetic engineering team in the development of the Hypnos Tyrant? <laughs> you said that very quickly. <laughs> Who led the genetic engineering team in development? I've got to type this into Google. Slow down. <laughs> right, well, that concludes the quiz. Join us after this when we'll run through the answers. What? Vincent? It's me, your mother. My mother? Vincent, please, listen to your mother. I want you to leave Umbrella. I want you to stop performing those terrible crimes and just come back home. So welcome back to Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. Let's see how everyone has done. So question number one was name one of the patients whose medical records are found in Survivor. Batman, just the one needed. I'm going to say Jennifer Campbell. Jennifer Campbell. Uh, George Trevor? Well, I don't know if he uh, he's related to the rapper, but I'm going to say William Smith. William Smith, okay. Uh, Sean? Because it's the only English name I can remember. It was Jennifer Campbell. Mr. Spencer? I didn't know this, so I just put Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Rombie? Uh, I also put Jennifer Campbell. Yeah, there's points there for everyone except Mr. Spencer with William Smith or Smith J. Williams. But yeah, William Smith. Yeah. Very good. So it's Smith J. Williams, Jennifer Campbell, Raju Yokata or Karina Archikabov. So very good points there for most. Question two was from Vito. What are the weights for either the bronze, silver or gold coins in Revelations? Romby, did you know this one? Uh, I had no idea because I haven't played it, but I'm, I'm going to guess 10, 15, 25. 10, 15, 25. Mr. Spencer? I put 250 grams. Okay. Batman? Uh, I'm going to say 8, 3, and 6. George? I'm going to say 5, 15, and 40. And I'm just guessing if you can't tell. <laughs> and Star's Tyrant? 120, 175. That was said with confidence. <laughs> it was just pure guess. Points. Points for no one. Not even one. I can't, I can't even give a solitary point for someone to even get one of them. It was 7, 9, and 17. Oh, of course. So, so well done, Vito, for bamboozling. Again. <laughs> Has anyone ever got one of Vito's questions right? Yeah, I think so. Question number three was, what is the colloquial name for the Crocodile Outbreak 2? And here we had an Ask Newsbot from... Me. From George, correct. Now, okay, Newsbot, what was your answer for George Trevor? No. No. Okay. Um, what? Are you gonna... He doesn't know. <laughs> they said no. No. Oh, that's the answer. Are you happy to accept that answer? It may not be right. Um. Hmm. I can't ever recall pissing Paul off in a forum, so I'm gonna take his <laughs> answer. I'm gonna take his answer. I don't think he sabotaged me, so I'm gonna take. Of course, I'm not. Look, listen. I'm not gonna question the knowledge of the birch, am I? Fair dues. Uh, Batman, <laughs> did you know this one? Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Sean. Mr. Croc O'Dial. <laughs> I have no idea. And Mr. Spencer? Yeah, I put Noor. And Romby? Yeah, I put Noor as well. Yes, it is Noor. Very good, very good. How, so. How's that spelled? G N A W. Okay, thanks. As, Paul. In, as, as in your nine on someone. Oh, okay, thanks. 
And this was question number four, was how many members of the UBCS entered Raccoon City to hunt down Dr. Cameron? We've got another Ask You spot here from Ron B. I think we'll, we'll save this one, because this is just a pure numbers guess. We'll save Ron B. So, Batman, what, how many did you think? Uh, I think it's five. Starstone? I said six originally, but then I did scribble it out and put five. Mm. Were you right originally? George, what did I you put? Not. I mean, all, all I'm going on is I'm trying to picture in my head the beginning Poster. when they pull up in the Jeep. Oh. And I was thinking five in terms of being in the Jeep, but I, I had a feeling that's just not enough. Six. Uh, I'm torn between five and six. Uh, six. You can go for six. Mr. Yeah. Spencer? I had five written down here. Five. Rombie, you asked Newsbot. Newsbot, what's your answer for Rombie? Five. <sighs> Of course, new spots, right? That's why he's here. Uh, That's why we have a lifeline. I just thought you can't fit six guys in a jeep. Squash. That's why we said five. The reason, <laughs> the reason, the reason that threw me was because I, I, I seem to remember one doesn't go down with them in the sewers, and then I was always thinking, was did five go down, and then they join the sixth, the guy who gets his eye pecked out by crows or whatever. Yeah. Excellent. Funny question number five was who led the genetic engineering team in development of the Hypnos Tyrant? I'm sure everyone's going to get this. Romby? Uh, it was it Vincent? <laughs> I didn't know I wasn't actually there for the conversation before. Vincent. Mr. Spencer? I put Vincent Goldman. Ty? Sean? Vincent. Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, George? Vincent! This is your mother! Batman? I'm Vincent. Wait, not Mrs. Goldman. <laughs> so that's a real, a real easy question to finish on. But there we go. Yes, correct. Although interestingly, I'm sure Dr. Klein had an input in this as well. Newsbot. Dr. Klein led the uh, gene application laboratory. But I'll be brutally honest. My actual answer is Dr. Klein, but I didn't want to go against everyone. <laughs> Vincent. Because <laughs> I thought I'd be an idiot. Because I, I don't do a lot of research into this. <laughs> <laughs> You don't say. <laughs> I'd actually put Dr. Klein, but am I, am I wrong? It's actually Barry. Anyway, <laughs> so that concludes the quiz. We have joint winners today, with Batman and Romby scoring an impressive four out of five. Well done. And then in second place... Oh, it's a tie for second place. Everyone else with George, uh, Mr. Spencer, and Stars Tyrant with three each. Three. three. So what's the table, the league table at now? The league table is as follows. Batman is in the lead on eight points. George Trevor has moved up to six points. Ty has moved up to five points. Mr. Spencer in joint second with George with six points. Very good. Very good. And Ron B, that means you go joint first. Very good. On the guest leaderboard. That's good to hear. The star in a reasonably priced quiz. That means you, you, <laughs> you're now top there with Ridley and the Wanderer, and that's quite impressive. Because Ridley does know an awful lot, and the Wanderer is quite good anyway. So there we go, that concludes the quiz. Join us next podcast when we'll have some more questions. I always feel the need to let people know where we get the music for the quiz from, because I, I doubt it's well known within England, let alone outside of it. Is it Bruce Forsyth's Play Your Cards Right, Nick? It is, yeah. So now I think anyone across the seas needs to Google Bruce Forsyth <laughs> and play your cards right and have a, have a look at his doddy birds. <laughs> she, amazed. The strange thing is, if you look at him, he actually looks younger in the 70s than he does now. 
We should do Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he is younger than 70. So of course he's going to look younger. I think that's called ageing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He oh, looks God. younger now. He looks, he looks younger now than he did in the 70s. He's older yeah. in the 70s than he does now. Someone. <laughs> we know what you meant. Okay. So, uh, next podcast, we're going to be looking at uh, Umbrella Chronicles. We plan to do another Revelations podcast, obviously, when it comes out in HD. That should be an interesting one, because obviously we did quite an in-depth one when it came out on 3DS, so we had to compare the differences, what works better. Depends what versions people get on. If anyone does have a Wii U by then, see what it's like on that. So that should be something to look forward to in the future. Who's going to get on what then? Because we can all do raid mode, can't we? That's that's online, isn't it? Can we work together on I'm going to get on PS3. Same here. PS3. Hmm. So I'll do raid mode together then. That should be good. That should be good. It'd be nice if they expand it and make it four player or something. If they yep. did that, we could all do a playthrough while we're recording the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, if only Outbreak was still online. Imagine the <laughs> impossibilities. Ahead of its time, Outbreak. Ahead of its time. Be shooting each other. Friendly fire. <laughs> I can say that um, since the last podcast, I've been overwhelmed with no letters and requests for Resident Evil Monopoly to be disclosed. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> oh, Capcom want it, though. They want it so bad they could almost taste it. <laughs> oh, dear. So, on that note, I will bid you all farewell. Thank you very much for listening to our Survivor podcast. It's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Tyrant. Star's Tyrant. And it's goodbye from me, Ark. <laughs> Vincent, it's your mother. It's goodbye from me, too. <laughs> Stop doing those terrible podcasts and just come home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodbye from me, George Trevor. Goodbye from Good- me, Rombie. Goodbye from me, Newsbot. And it's goodbye from me, Mr. Spencer. <laughs>